Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in. We are here today with so many of our amazing expert team. Her Health Collective hosts four roundtables each year, and somehow we are already here at our third roundtable of 2023. Our roundtables are done in an effort to bring together our experts and dive deep into topics that matter to moms the most. We've found that these roundtables are typically our most well-received episodes. Each of the experts represented in our roundtables have different professional backgrounds and areas of specialty. When we bring these experts together and discuss women's health issues, you, the listener, can expect to get different perspectives based on their area of focus, as well as their own personal experiences. This is also a time in our grand vision for the experts to collaborate with one another experts and professionals from other industries in order to create a more holistic model of care for women, which is a core value of Her Health Collective. Our goal is to expand not only the experts referral network, but to emphasize the importance of collaborative health care. In our roundtable today, we are discussing the topic of fertility. We are striving to give everything you need to know about fertility from different professional perspectives. We're also hoping that we perhaps receive some perspectives from personal experience as well, particularly with today's topic. Today, we are honored to be joined by several of our 2023 Her Expert panelists. We're going to take a few moments to let each of our experts introduce themselves and just share a bit about themselves, their area of expertise, so that our listeners can hear each expert's voice and have a better idea of who's speaking during the upcoming conversation. So we'll go ahead and get started. Emily, will you take it away for us? Hey everyone, I am Emily Chaffee. I am the co-owner and founder of Carolina Birth and Wellness. Um, I am a birth doula, fertility doula, and massage therapist. And I am holding my six-month-old who was born via IVF in um, February. So I'm able to kind of talk from all about fertility from a fertility doula and fertility massage therapist standpoint, and as well as my personal experience with IVF. That is so exciting. I'm really glad you're here. It'll add such a wonderful element to the conversation. And hi, Ella. I'm glad that you're able to join us as well. She (laughs) says hi. Hi, I'm Christy Maloney. I'm a registered dietitian and owner of Enhanced Nutrition Associates in Charlotte. My primary specialty is working with women with eating disorders, disordered eating, and body image concerns. The things that, you know, I kind of want to add to the conversation is how we can support hormone health nutritionally. And just kind of from a holistic perspective, I think that oftentimes gets left out of fertility conversations. Hello, good morning. Uh, My name is Kirsten Spurrier, and I'm the owner of the Perinatal Pelvis in Hillsborough, North Carolina. I provide pelvic floor therapy. So just excited for this conversation of how fertility and pelvic floor therapy intertwine. I'm Dr. Hilary Manzik. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and I specialize in parenting and perinatal mental health. And so perinatal mental health comprises everything from postpartum depression, anxiety, pregnancy, depression, anxiety, to pregnancy loss and fertility challenges. And so I've worked with many clients and supported them along their fertility journey. And so I bring the mental health perspective. 
Hi, I'm Catherine Andrew. I'm a registered dietitian in Raleigh, and I focus on hormone and digestive health, mostly for women, but some men too. So I certainly deal with a lot of fertility conversations and help women maximize their nourishment and nutrients that they're getting from food and lifestyle. So all along, we've been talking about females, but we all know that there's two involved. There's the egg and the sperm. And so I think we do need to explore male fertility and how common it is. Is it common for males to be the ones who are struggling in this area? What treatments are available if a couple is dealing with the inability to get pregnant, whether they are male or female and their first step? Because we've talked about a lot of different things that we can do before the doctor's approach. So mentally, stress, nutritionally, relaxation, gratitude, those type of things. So let's take that a step further. They've tried those things. Now what? Male fertility. What's next on this journey? I can't speak to treatments, but I can say that about a third of all subfertility cases are stemming from a male factor, a third from a female factor, and a third from kind of the combination of the two. But so much attention is focused on the woman because we're more complex, generally. Um, hormones, cycling hormones. Men is much more of kind of, they figure it out and it's a little bit easier. I don't know what those ways are. I can have somebody else talk about that. But it is definitely something that both parties need to be looking at. I've had clients who say like, oh no, my husband's fine. I don't want him to get tested because it's definitely me. With no basis of that, it's seen as less manly or something to kind of, get the sperm test, but I recommend it to every single client because it is, it's more information and it's more helpful. And you, no one ever regrets having more information about their fertility. I've found. I would just say to encourage the couple to do wellness things that we've already talked about together. Again, the stress of men affects sperm and like what they're doing for exercise, what they're eating, what they're putting in their body. All those things are still affecting his sperm count and his fertility as well. So trying to make it that this is not just, oh, me as a woman, I'm preparing my body for fertility, but we as a couple are preparing for fertility. It's the earliest way to start to work on not becoming entrenched in the default parent dynamic right? Because that can so easily fall to women because it's our bodies that, you know, carry and birth the baby. And then if there's breastfeeding involved, so starting early to really share this process, I think is really important. We talked a little bit about the mental health repercussions of infertility in the, the fertility journey. Let's talk a little bit more about that. So We've kind of gone in order here. It's kind of been a little bit of a journey. We started off talking about the statistics and then we went into different ways that we can do it without intervention from immediately going to doctors. And we talked about when it could potentially be the male. Actually, a side question to that, and perhaps Emily, you would know, does the male go to the same fertility doctor as the woman? Generally, yes, but not always. In my case, 
the sperm analysis is done at the IVF clinic. I went with CCRM and they do the male testing and the female testing at the same clinic. Um, generally, yes, I do believe it's done at the same place, but it may be more specialized. If there's more treatment needed, they would go to the, the male would go to like a urologist. Sometimes a general practitioner can also do this, but that again is case by case basis. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So let's go back into the effects that this journey might have on, we talked a little bit about mental health. If you want to elaborate more there, we could definitely do that. Marriage on the marriage or the relationship, it's definitely going to have an effect there. Is there any guidance that you can offer families that are dealing with infertility to help them protect their mental health and keep their relationships healthy? One thing that I will say is that what we know about struggling with fertility challenges is that there is always some level of trauma involved. And what I mean by that, because I know in our society, we tend to sort of think we know what trauma is, but my definition for trauma, the way I explain it to clients is it's really anything that like, as you're going through it, you're kind of white knuckling either to a little extent or to a large extent to where your brain is not fully processing what's happening. And when you are going through this process of trying to get pregnant and feeling all the feelings of, you know, the worry around, is this going to happen? And being confronted constantly by friends who are getting pregnant and reminders in your world that it's not happening for you right now. And trying to manage all of that while also working at your job. And if you have other kids raising your other kids and trying to delight in them, but also feeling the yearning to give them a sibling, the stress in the marriage around trying to do this thing that is really stressful does have an effect on the brain that we would call trauma. And so processing that with a therapist is so, so powerful specifically. So I offer a treatment called brain spotting. There's also EMDR, and these are specific targeted trauma treatments that help you process and help your brain sort of put the pieces together of what you're going through while you're, while you're in that process, because otherwise you can end up coming out of it and you feel like you're fine and there can be fallout, right? I've seen so many clients who ended up with postpartum depression or anxiety that was related to everything they went through to get pregnant. And then there is so much guilt around like, oh my goodness, I want this baby so much and I can't enjoy it, right? And so just recognizing that even if you think you're fine and you are high functioning, there is an effect on your brain and your body and how much you can really realistically process as you're going through it without some support. And so just recognizing that, validating that for yourself, like it feels hard because it is hard. It's not your fault. And there is help, right? Just going to get connected with somebody. And then the other thing you asked about the effect on the marriage, I can't tell you how many times the birthing partner will seek support and then the non-birthing partner doesn't, but they, they also went through something really traumatic and difficult and probably didn't have the words or even the permission, so to speak, to feel like it was difficult. That wasn't their body. Right. So, so often both partners could benefit from therapy and sometimes couples therapy is helpful too. So just to put that out there. And of course, therapy is not the only thing like social support is huge. Can you find somebody else? This is something I've done for some of my clients is just given them the opportunity to connect with people in the community who have gone through what they're going through, because it can feel so isolating. And I know on a personal level, when I went through my miscarriage, all I wanted was to talk to somebody who'd been there. My, my own mom hadn't gone through it. So I felt like I didn't have 
she was very supportive, but I didn't feel like I could really get her support. She didn't get it. Right. So can you find a community of people who understand, is there a support group or a therapy group or just someone in your social circle that you can really talk to who understands what you're going through? One thing I'll add just from like a mental health perspective as well is but because I work with eating disorders and disordered eating and clients with body image concerns, there's a lot of body image concerns that do come up around infertility in terms of, you know, already having shame about my body, my body's not okay. And then it literally feels like your body's broken. So that just really exacerbates that side of things. I do think that that is very important to process as part of your therapy, just the, the physical feeling of brokenness you might experience around your body the physical effects of fertility drugs too. I gained probably 20 pounds on my IVF meds and you're feeling bad about yourself because you're gaining all this weight. And then, you know, you're being told by people like, Oh, just lose weight. Then you'll get pregnant. And your weight is such a powerful thing with our bodies and our image. And then these drugs make you gain all this weight. There's a lot of work we do within, you know, the frame of brain spotting. And I know people work with this through EMDR as well to really help because what can happen is we can start to have negative feelings toward our body. We can sort of split off and intellectualize and and disconnect from our bodies. And so these targeted trauma treatments can really help you reconnect with and love your body again, because there is a lot that comes up for sure during this process. It doesn't always occur when it's happening, right? So like I had a mom, she had six miscarriages and then ended up being able to get pregnant and deliver. And like one of the first things that their doctors said at her six week appointment was, well, you might want to start trying again because you don't know how long it'll take. It's like, what in the world? Like your baby is six weeks. Enjoy this time and be present in your time and don't worry. So then she comes to my office being like, do you think I should start trying again? I'm like, no, just like... (laughs) Let's be postpartum. All that fear of infertility just like race back. She's like, I wasn't even thinking I was going to have trouble getting pregnant another time until they said that, you know, she's like, I've just been in this headspace that I've had a good pregnancy and I wouldn't, I wasn't even going there. And then it all just came rushing back out of one comment that somebody said, and it's just, it's just heartbreaking that we don't recognize how fragile people are and we don't talk about it enough and people don't share it enough to even know where, you know, even our friends are at. So not assuming when you're out to coffee with your girlfriends or whatever, that everybody's struggles are different. I love that Kirsten. And I really would like to talk a little bit more about being the person that's supporting a loved one or a friend that's dealing with infertility. How do we do that when we may not have experienced it? Hillary, you mentioned this with your mom, like your mom sounds like she's a confidant to you, but she hadn't experienced it. So she wasn't able to really give you what you needed. How do we support people? To our Patreon supporters, thank you. We appreciate you so much. Our goal has always been for moms to know they're not alone in the tough and challenging phases of motherhood. We know Mama Needs a Moment provides this to our listeners. We are thrilled with the growth of the podcast over the past two years. Last year, Spotify shared that Mama Needs a Moment was in the top 30% most followed podcasts 
was heard in nine countries and had more content than 97% of other creators in the family category. We have recently launched a Patreon account for Mama Needs a Moment. This is a great way for you to provide additional support to her health collective. We've set up three options for Patreon supporters, each with its very own perks, such as special events, discounts, and bonus content from each and every podcast guest that is available only to our Patreon supporters. Will you become a Patreon supporter? It would mean the world to us. In general, I think it's really helpful when we don't ask people, when are you going to get pregnant? Are you thinking about having another one? Like, let's let's let people share that information as they feel ready to share that. It can be a really complicated question for somebody who is struggling and maybe not ready to share that. And so I always like to tell people, just let people share what they want to share with you about their family and how they're building their family, how they're growing their family, rather than potentially forcing someone to have a conversation they're not ready to have or making assumptions about what somebody's family looks like, or why aren't you having more kids? Why don't you give your child a sibling? Like these kinds of questions that can come from extended family and they're well-meaning, but they're really triggering. And just also to, if you know that somebody is going through this, you can ask them how they're doing. And, and really be, you know, instead of trying to say, well, you know, if somebody has a miscarriage, at least, you know, you can get pregnant or, well, you're young or just, just think positive and it'll happen. Right. Instead of saying any of that, just listen, be an active listener and just say, I, wow, I hear you. I'm here. If you want to tell me more, right. Like just hold space. Not projecting your own feelings. Somebody says they're pregnant and they get their positive pregnancy test. Oh, that's so exciting. I wasn't excited about my pregnancy until I had 24 weeks, which is viability. Once and like each ultrasound, when I would go to my midwives, I was like, don't even take my blood pressure first. We have to hear her heartbeat to make sure she's still in there. And they responded. Once we, I heard her heart rate, then we could do the, my blood pressure and it was fine. But if we did my blood pressure before her heart rate, I was like, it was way high. And they're like, oh my God, we have to do something. But they listened and they were like, no, okay, this is how it's going to be. And so, and also each kind of event of like, oh, okay. 20 week ultrasound, like, oh my God, is something going to be wrong? Like we did the genetic testing, is something going to be wrong? It was kind of my low grade anxiety throughout my whole pregnancy. Is this actually going to work? It hasn't worked for so long. Why is it different now? So that was a big thing of kind of not people telling me like, you should be excited at this moment. Like, no, like, no, I'll be excited when she's here. Supporting someone, maybe not so much before, but in the process as well. Like, I mean, I think the holding space and just being present is the biggest thing, but almost treating the fertility process as the same as we do the the postnatal process, right? Like, so taking someone a meal, going for a walk, the shots are a lot. And any of like any of those infertility things is, is a ton of physical burden on your body, as well as all the emotional stuff that you're going through, just getting yourself to that appointment to take your blood pressure and hear it. And could I take care of your child for some time while you're going to appointments? So I think supporting women and supporting each other through that process and before we get to the pregnancy piece is really important and could be such a vital piece of our communities if we share. Wonderful. I love that. Thank you, everybody. We're going to go into an area of, it has some contention around it, uh, we had alluded to it before, spoke about it a little bit, but taken it from a different perspective. And this is weight. Emily had talked about how she had gained weight for, through her fertility treatments. And 
the impact that that has on someone mentally in their ability to get pregnant. The direction that I want to take this this time is based on an article that I had found and it stated that being overweight or underweight can also have an adverse effect on male fertility. In a research study published in the scientific journal, which is the PLOS medicine, researchers studied whether weight loss is superior to a weight neutral intervention at achieving a healthy live birth. The researchers designed a clinical trial that compared two types of 16 week lifestyle modifications. One was an intensive lifestyle that focused on weight loss through increasing physical activity, caloric restriction, and anti-obesity medication. And then the other was um, a less intensive approach, which focused on increasing physical activity alone without the targeted weight loss. Both groups received identical physical activity interventions. The results, the rate of having a healthy live birth was not significantly different between the groups. In reality, some women who receive encouragement from their doctor to lose weight with the hope of potentially improving their fertility outcomes will participate in intense preconception interventions to lose weight, such as the caloric restriction, the diet pills, surgery. Many times they adopt these behaviors that they cannot maintain for the long-term and it will help them lose weight, but then they end up gaining weight back during the pregnancy and of course the postpartum period. Looking at all of this from the perspective of your profession, let's begin to unpack this for our listeners. Based on nutritional, behavioral, mental, medical, and perhaps even your personal experience, if women receive the instruction to lose weight for fertility purposes, what are things that they need to consider? What are some alternatives that they can consider? And it's important, I think, to help the listeners look at this rather from a short-term goal, which is often what the medical providers are saying, you lose weight, you get pregnant, the long-term effects of what this behavior can have on the mom, the, the female, long-term ramifications. What would you say to your client if they came to you and they said that their doctor had advised them to lose weight? A huge shout out to our Patreon subscribers. Your support truly means the world to us. Thanks to you, we are able to continue the weekly production of Mama Needs a Moment and getting this valuable information from these incredible guests out to you, our listeners. This final question has been recorded as a mini bonus episode and is available for our Patreon subscribers to go listen to right now. Take a moment to hear our experts' thoughts on the pressure from the medical community for weight loss and the impact it can have on one's fertility journey. Be sure to log into your Patreon account and have a listen. This has been such a wonderful conversation. We want to extend a sincere thank you for all of our experts joining us today. The journey of fertility can be full of emotional fragility and confusion and uncertainty. So we really appreciate each of you taking the time to come together to discuss this important topic and share all of your own unique thoughts and perspectives and experiences. That was great to have the personal experiences in there as well. Thank you so much to all 
all of the listeners out there, be sure to check out herhealthcollective.com for more great content from each of these expert panelists throughout the year. Be sure to listen to part one of this roundtable discussion if you haven't already done so. We dive into contributing factors of infertility, Hashimoto's, PCOS, endometriosis, diet culture, and so much more. High five, friend. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us to be the first to know when we drop a new episode. If you've enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We always love hearing from you. Until next time, stay true to you.